Blog Talk Radio. Well. LivesOfLivings.com, your own blog, TalkRadio.com. My name is Pastor Steve Lee, and I'll be your host for the next hour or so. Now, if you're listening to us via the simulcast during the 9 o'clock to 11 o'clock p.m. time slot here on Monday evenings, we're so glad to have you. But if you're listening to us on any other social media platform or any other times during the week, please contact us here at LivesOfLivings.com and give us the times, dates, locations and platforms that you would be listening to us on. Although we would love to proliferate the airways, we must do it legally, ethically, and in righteousness. If you hear our content through any other means, it is the result of Internet piracy and copyright infringement. And any of those that participate in Internet piracy can be prosecuted by federal agents. Now, having said all that, we can get down to the business of the kingdom. So go ahead and get a pen and some paper. And if you have any questions or comments about the ministry tonight, when we get to the end of the broadcast, we'll give you an opportunity to ask those questions or make those comments. Now, if you would, join your hearts with me in a word of prayer as we sanctify our time together. Father, I ask you to speak to me so that I can hear. Awaken me the mind of Christ. Open my eyes that I might behold wondrous things out of your word. Breathe on me so that I can speak, that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. Flow through me and cause me to move by your spirit. Let healing and deliverance break forth in this place, in this time, because of your word, your spirit, and your love. Live big in me, and I'll decrease so that you can increase. Holy Spirit, glorify Jesus in my life as I now share the living bread, the word of life. Jesus. Reveal to us the Father 
and draw us into his presence where there is fullness of joy. Heavenly Father, quiet our hearts and minds as we allow the peace of God to rule in our lives. Cause us to grow in the grace that has appeared unto all men as you teach us how we should live in this present world. May we now awake to righteousness and slumber no more by walking in the spirit and in the fullness of his grace. As we sojourn in the land of promise, going from faith to faith and from glory to glory. For you've made us more than conquerors in this life through Christ Jesus. So speak to our spirits and birth victory in our hearts and in our minds. In Jesus' name, I pray. Well, beloved, uh, we want to deal with uh, the life of David, who was a, a, a worshiper. And that's why the victories that God uh, bestowed in his life was able to happen because David uh, had a good grasp on the effect that worship would have on our victory. Active worship engages God at a level that confounds the devil. (laughs) And this is one of the reasons why God is seeking for those who will worship him in spirit and in truth. I mean, you look at the the life of David, and uh, the enemy tried to come at him in many ways, and we'll probably get to one of those things that he cited for us in uh, Psalms 27. But um, it's just amazing that that he knew how to uh, cause God to get involved on his behalf. And that's one of the things that that we should have uh, pretty settled in our hearts and in our lives so that we can uh, stop the devil from uh, uh, causing us to move off of the faith that God has placed us in. The Bible says that God has given to every man the measure of faith. So that tells me that God has placed you in your victory because this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. But when we don't understand or we don't participate fully in the place that God has positioned us, then we begin to have questions and doubts and fears, and then we're moved by those doubts and fears uh, away from the place that God has set us. I mean, you, you, you must realize, recognize, and understand that God put you where you would thrive and be victorious. He did not place you in a, a situation where you cannot win. It says in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, that God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that which you are able, and he will, with the temptation, make a way of escape that you may be able to bear. He's faithful not to put on you the way that it was said in my generation, more than you can stand. For he will not place you in a position where victory cannot be achieved by you. Okay? He's not going to do that. The book of James says that God does not tempt any man with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust and enticed. And lust, when it is conceived, brings forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, brings forth death. Do not err, my beloved brethren, every good and every perfect gift comes down from above, from the Father of light, in whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Of his own will he begot us, that we should be the first fruits of his calling. I I want you to see, understand, and perceive that, 
that, that God already knew how to cause you to win by what's on the inside of you. See, that's why the devil comes to really mess up things in our life so that he can steal our praise, so that he can steal our worship. That's what he wants to do. See, he wants to stop you from doing what God created you to do. The Bible tells us that we were created for his good pleasure. Amen. We were not created so that we would endure hardness. We were created for his pleasure. When we separate ourselves from God in our heart, that's when we start gravitating to the things that we can reach or touch or handle with our hands. When we separate ourselves from God, what happens is generally we try to work it out. We, we, we try to then lean to our own understanding. That's not where God wants us. He wants us to be found in him. And as you're found in him, not having your own righteousness. He doesn't want you to do it. Jesus said this very interesting thing. He said that God was the one that caused him victory. All of his days, all of his victories, the things that he did, the Bible says they were wrought in God. They were not wrought by Jesus. They were wrought in God, okay? They were worked out by God and then displayed by Jesus. Maybe we should look at it that way. Okay? Jesus said, it's not me, but it's the Father in me. He's the one that does the work. See? So then we have to learn how to allow God to do the work on the inside of our hearts so that we can see very clearly what God is desiring. And then we display what he's revealed to us. I mean, that's basically the, 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 the better way to understand that, see? Because what's in your heart is going to be manifest in your life. Proverbs chapter 4 says that. It says, my son, attend to my words. Give ear to my sayings. Keep them in the midst of your heart. Just, just flip over there. It's just, I want you to see it. Uh, Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20 and following. Okay, because when you begin to, to, to see these things from the perspective how God intended for you to win, so we're, we're talking about active worship. And active worship is, is a worship that is lived out. It, it's, not a, uh, it's not a rehearsal of, of, of things that you uh, uh, experience. That's not just what worship is. See, it has to be the position of heart. Okay? I need to acknowledge God. Again, we said, go to Proverbs 3 first. We'll just see it as he keeps teaching us, okay? Proverbs 3, we all know these things, heard these things, but we're going to need to participate in the structure that God is building on the inside of you. He's building structure on the inside of you by revelation. That's what he told Peter. 
when he said, Peter, you're blessed because the, uh, you didn't get this from flesh and blood. The Father in heaven, he's revealed this unto you. And I say, at this point, you are solid. And on this that you are solid on, that's what I'm going to build my church on. This revelation that you live in is what I'm going to build my church on. You are the church of God, beloved. The church of God is not a building. You are the, the tabernacle of God is with men. You are the, the, the place where he now abides. And he's going to build revelation is what he's going to build on in your life. He's building structure on the inside of you. Why? So that you can win because of the life that's on the inside of you. Okay? I am come that you might have life and have that life more abundantly. Where is that life? Where Jesus is, where Jesus rules, where Jesus abides. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you will, and it will be done or given to you. Why? Because that's where he lives. See? Come on, y'all. Just, just, just begin to understand that. Chapter 3 of the book of Proverbs, he says, My son, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments. Let your heart keep commandments. He speaks things to us, and then we are supposed to live by, that's what Jesus said, every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. When he speaks into your heart, when you go to the Bible and read a a, a scripture, that's him speaking to you by that which was already written. Keep those words in your heart. My son, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments. You know, I find it interesting that God told us right here that there was a fight for the place of victory in your life. And the place of victory in your life comes out of your heart. We're going to see that in just a second here. Tie that knot together so that you can always go back and refer to that. My son, keep. My son, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep. Mind commandments. Again, the word let is an operative word. I can let or I can let not. Okay? You're in control of this. He says, here is your victory. Keep my laws. Don't forget them. Keep my laws in the midst of your heart. Let your heart keep my commandments. Why? Because length of days and long life and peace shall they add to thee. Come on, y'all. He said, when you keep the word and when your word keeps the commandments and keep the laws, they will then cause length of days and long life and peace. They will add them to you. It's just like if you would, as you go day by day, God then gives you the, uh, the addition of victory that comes day by day to you. He's going to long life, come on, length of days, long life, and peace. That, that tells me something else here, that long life and length of days happens to be different things. Amen. See? So just kind of just think about that. We run over and think he's saying the same things twice. He's the one that told you don't, don't, don't speak in vain repetition. He's trying to get you to go deeper into the revelation. Length of days and long life. When you have the answer and you, you, you function 
okay? Uh, uh, function by that answer, then you can enjoy all of the time that was in that 24-hour period. But when you don't have the answers, it looks like this trial is never going to end. He wants you to have length of days and long life, that you will be able to enjoy the life that, that he's given you because all of the day you will be full of praise. You'll be full of worship. You'll be full of anticipation. See, because you know that he's going to add this to you by the word that he's given you, by his promises, by his laws. Then again, he says, verse 3, let not mercy and truth forsake you. Again, let not. It's operative, which means that I can let mercy and truth forsake me. I can let them, I can release them out of their assignment, if you would. Because the, uh, the, the spirits of God, the angels of God, they are on assignment, and they're supposed to fulfill the will of God. But if you disengage them, then you will not be able to enjoy the will of God, even though he's not taking one of his words spoken back. They are just now not operable in your life because you have not decided to activate them and keep them moving. Keep them in the midst of your heart, okay? It says, let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them about thy neck. Write them upon the table of thine heart. And the way that you write things on your heart is by speaking. Your tongue is the pen of a ready writer. Your tongue causes things to then be engraved upon your heart so that then you will know the life that God has promised you. You will know the steps that he wants you to take in that promise. See, the promised land now is in your heart, and you should sojourn, walk in the promised land. Everything that you would need in this life has already been deposited in your heart. He has given to every man the measure of faith. The deposit has been made. Okay? What we have to do is to learn how to activate it, utilize it, cause it to be uh, uh, cause it to be fed, glory to God, so that we can get the increase as faith is fed. Because we go from glory to glory and from faith to faith, which tells us that we should feed our faith expand our dwelling place. We're called unto glory. So that as you go from glory to glory, then the landscape of glory in your life now just expand it. From faith to faith, now it becomes deeper, higher. Come on, y'all. <laughs> See? He says, bind them upon your neck. Make them an adornment for you. That's what you put on your neck. You put uh, 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 adornments, necklaces. Amen. You put that on your neck. Mm, I'll say this. It's better to have the adornment of the grace of God about your neck than it is for you to have a shackle of bondage because the devil has lied to you and you made that the thing that you display. Come on. Amen. See, 
He said, bind them about your neck. Display them. Show forth the, the glory of God. Precious jewels, we put them around our neck, on our fingers. Come on. He said, put the word, display the word like that. I mean, I, I've known um, people that are Christians and, and, and had bad information, and so then they would uh, perpetually tell you about the struggles in their life. That's not adornment that's from God. God didn't call you to trouble. He called you to victory. People have thought that uh, um, because I'm in trouble, God's going to get the glory out of this trouble. They magnify the, the trouble rather than the glory that was sent to them before the trouble. Come on, y'all. He's a jealous God. He will have no other gods before him, in front of him. No other God gets there first. The day you were born, the Bible says the way you were born, you were crowned with loving kindness, tender mercies, glory, honor. You were crowned with it. You came here with that. He's given to every man the measure of faith. Let not mercy and truth forsake you. Bind them about thy neck. Write them upon the table of thine heart. Why? So thou shalt find favor and good understanding in two places, in the sight of God and in the sight of man. Sometimes it might be that we forget that we should dress for God. Did you hear that? Okay, good. Watch it. He says, when you bind these things upon you, when you adorn yourself, okay, with his word, with his promises, when you adorn yourself, he says, then you will find favor and good understanding in the sight of God. What does God see when you come in front of him? Does he see his whole armor that he gave you? Does he see the glory that he gave you? Does he see the peace that he called you to walk in? What, how are you dressed when you, when you stand before God? Uh, 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 we stand before God naked, even it says. He sees the real deal. See? But he will see because his armor is a spiritual armor. So then his armor, glory to God, his armor does not stop him from seeing you. The devil is the one that's blind, so he don't know whose armor that is, yours or God's. He don't know who's in there. But God sees the whole heart. He doesn't look out at the outer man. So what is your heart presenting before God? See? If, if, if I'm perpetually complaining, belly aching, then I'm not adorned in a promise, Emma. I don't see how you can be adorned in a promise and in trouble at the same time. I'm talking about position in your heart. See? Because just like you cannot say, I'll just give you something to do, just as a, a, a process. And begin to, 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 to say things that, 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 that you're going through. All of the hard things that happened today, okay? I want you to do that. 
It's just, just say, just repeat. Now, as you're doing it, I want you to think about the greatness of God, the goodness of God. Say, Lord, I praise you. Lord, I worship you. I want you to think about what happened. When you gave way to praise, your complaint stopped, didn't it? Because you cannot, man was not created to complain and praise at the same time. He said, uh, 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 things should not come out of your mouth. Praise should not come out of your mouth. And, 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 and James tells us that, that you cannot be mad and, 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 and praise God at the same time. Bitter water and sweet water, he said, cannot come out of the same fountain. You will create it. He's open your mouth and I'll fill it with praise. Why? So that I can continue to do the things that's necessary in your life. Murmuring complaining is not what he wants you to do. But we find ourselves doing that because we have not engaged in active worship. He says you'll find favor and good understanding in two places, in the sight of God and in the sight of man. Those that worship, those that worship, or as Ezekiel says, those that, Daniel, I'm sorry, Daniel 11 to 32 says, those that know are intimate with their God, those are the ones that will be strong and they will do exploits. See? Because you are adorning yourself with the victory that God has given you. Okay? He says, when you do that, you'll find favor within the sight of God and in the sight of man. Then he says, now, from that position, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your path. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil, and it will be health to your navel and marrow to your bones. Then you can honor the Lord with your substance is the first fruit of all thine increase. Your bonds will then be filled with plenty, and your presses will burst out with new wine, not, not old wine. See, he's wanting to do that. He needs that to be the position of your heart, that, that, that you know that God is looking at you because all of these things are done in the sight of God and man. And, yes, God was first. Glory to God. So then when you leave, come on now, when you leave the house with a bad attitude, you were dressed before God with that bad attitude. He told you to have his word about your neck. Adorn yourself with that. Okay. Proverbs chapter 4. Again, just trying to, to, to let you see spiritually the things that are necessary for the victory that you say you need, that you say you want. Let's get dressed accurately. Let's look like the, 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 the let's look like the servant of God you are, the son of God you are, the daughter of God you are. Stop looking like someone that has been detached from glory. Maintain. Don't let mercy and truth forsake you. Don't give up on them. Chapter 4, verse 20. My son, attend to my words. Incline your ear unto my sayings. Let them not depart from your eyes. Keep that in your sight. Why should you be looking at 
frustrates his anxieties and fears. He said, keep them, don't let them depart from your eyes. I ain't got time to look at my trouble. I didn't say that you're ignoring your trouble. But see, when I have a heart that is connected directly, when I have active worship, then I'm magnifying the Lord and all of my problems, situations, and concerns have been minimized. I keep my eye on the big prize, see, that I'm not distracted by the little things. See, a lot of times in our lives, we become more focused on the little things. The Bible says these are light afflictions. And as the light afflictions are happening, they are working for us a more eternal and, 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 and a more eternal way of glory. Like, come on, y'all. It, you have a, 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 the ability to look at that which is eternal instead of looking at that which is temporary. But a lot of times we find ourselves focused on the temporary and losing sight of the eternal. See, every word that God spoke is an eternal word. It lives and it abides forever. So then that means that there is never a minute in the day of your life that the word is not active and available for you to overcome this little thing that you're now focused on. Took your eyes off the big thing and focused on the little thing. says, let them not depart from your eyes, but keep them where? In the midst of your heart. Saying in the midst of your heart tells me that there are, if you would, um, stratospheres, stratospheres of your heart. An outer crust, okay? Uh, the, the, inner, uh, the, the inner soft parts, flesh, and then the spirit. And he said, keep his word in the spirit part. See, the part, when you keep the word in the inner man, it will affect the flesh man. And it will bless the life of the man that's there. Okay? See, when you keep your word, his word in the midst of your heart, it will affect the outer uh, regions of your heart. It, it, it will affect, come on, it'll affect all the hard stuff that you heard about, okay? If you have him on the place in the inner part of your heart, the center of your heart, it will affect the flesh and the outer part. I mean, just to show you a picture, if you would, see? You, you, you raise your guard up, close, 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 that's the hard part of your heart. Because you, you're trying to protect your heart with, 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 with from things that's going to affect it. But if you would allow the word to be there, the word will then deal with, change and alter the flesh and protect you on the outer part. Okay? Keep them in the midst of their heart. Why? Because they are life to those that find them and health to the flesh. Did you just see that? I just said it, but here it is in writing. If you keep the word in the midst of your heart, it will do what? It will heal. Come on, listen. It will, it, it is life to those that find them and health 
to the flesh. Glory to God. Health to the flesh. In other words, God knows your flesh has become sick. I'm sick of this and I'm sick of that. Well, keep the word in your heart, in the center of your heart, in the midst of your heart, and you won't have to be sick of this or that, because that word that's kept in the center of your heart will heal flesh. Glory to God. And it said it'll heal, it'll heal the flesh, all of it. It's health to all of your flesh. Okay, I, I, I quoted it wrong. He didn't say he would just heal it. He said it would be health. If you would, perpetual healing. That's what health is. Healing is a specific spot, location that is in need of the health. And he said, if you would keep the word in the midst of your heart, it would be health to all your flesh. It says, that way you can now Keep your heart with all diligence because out of the midst of the heart comes what? The issues of life. This is what David learned. This is David lived this. See? He he was able to to enjoy uh, the presence of God that way. See? And God wants us to get back to the the place where that process works. See, David understood that. David uh, displayed that over and over and over in the victories that God wrought in his life. David was a psalmist. See, he would he would he would see the thing, and then he would say things differently than we say. He he was not just a complainer. Oh, wow. He was not just a complainer. He was one that enjoyed the presence of God. Why? Because in his presence is fullness of joy. And at his right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. My God, my God. See? David understood this. I'm going to go back to David here in a minute, but I want you to see that God is looking for active worship. John chapter 4, just visit that for a minute. He's looking for active worship. You know, I mean, okay. Worship is not just in the song. It's in the position of heart when the song is sung, when the song is heard, okay? The position of heart is what God is looking for. So so in, in, in John chapter 4, we, we find a teaching where God allows Jesus to, to show us these things. John chapter 4, and starting at verse 5, it says, speaking of Jesus, 
that he must come into the to the city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the parcel of ground where that Jacob gave his son Joseph. Now, Joseph's, Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being weary with his journey, set on. And it was about the sixth hour. And there cometh a woman of Samaria, Samaria to draw water. And Jesus said to her, Give me to drink. For his disciples are going away into the city to buy meat. Then the woman said, of Samaria said unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, ask me of drink, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Now, the, the, the text, see, Jesus has an answer for uh, prejudice and segregation and all this kind of stuff. See, he, he going to deal with it right here. The, they would they had set the thing up so that um, the Jews who were uh, who who were the recipients of the well would be first uh, to come, and then the other people that are not connected to Joseph they would come and get some water. God wasn't uh, uh, keeping the water from them; they just had a different time of the day that they could come. I mean, we live through that, you know, uh, uh, white fountains and this fountain of water is for blacks. But God had an answer for that. And he's displaying it even right here. Because the woman said, uh, maybe you don't know it. You know, I don't know how you could not know it. You're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan. So then y'all don't have no dealings with us. So how, can, how is it that you want me to give you some water, touch some water that I'm going to give you. Why would you want me to do that? And then Jesus dealt with it and said, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that saith unto thee, Give me the drink, thou would have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. I mean, look at the, the dismantling of all of the racism, uh, um, sexism, all of the other isms that cause us division. Look at what Jesus responds to. He said, if you knew one thing, the gift of God. Wow. See, again, I asked you, how are you dressed? <laughs> are you dressed so that you can be a gift in other people's lives? Hallelujah. Mm. That, that you recognize there is a deposit from God on the inside of you, and he wants to display it. He wants it to be a gift to those that are in the world? Mm. If you knew the gift of God and who it is that says to thee, give me to drink, thou would have asked him and he would have given you the living water. And the woman said, sir, uh, thou hast nothing to draw. And you got nothing to draw with and the well is deep. So you talk about you're going to give me something you ain't got nothing that looks like you are in a position to give me anything. Sir, you don't have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where are you going to get this, this living water? So Jesus was presenting an opportunity to her, and she was citing all the reasons why she couldn't receive. How many times in our lives do we do that? Come on now. God is wanting us to, 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 to enjoy his blessing, and we keep reminding him that we are not worthy, that, that we are not able, that we are not capable. 
that, that we've never done this before. And he's asking you, I'm speaking to you, the one that can answer every situation, and you're going to sit up here and tell me, I got to have uh, something to draw out the water with. Mm. Just, you know, this is what we do. This is our thinking. He was talking to sufficiency himself and saying to sufficiency, you don't have anything to work with. <laughs> then the woman said, you got nothing, and the well is deep. How are you going to give me this water? You Are you greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well and drank thereof himself, his children and his cattle? And Jesus answered, and he said, whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up unto into eternal life. If, if, if we could get to receive from the one that's been trying to bless us from Jump Street, take his word and hide it in our heart. See? Write it upon the tables of our heart. I ain't never did this before, God, but I'm talking to you, and I am sufficiency, and I'm giving you insight to a promise. I'm giving you insight to a prophetic uh, encounter, and you're going to tell me that I can't produce what I say I want to give you? Selah. See? We're going to have to submit to God, and then he will then lift us up. He will give us what's necessary when we get the fight against God out of the way. Did he not know that you were, well, the, 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 the disciples find out, they went to, in Acts chapter 4, um, they were talking and they said, uh, we really recognize that you are ignorant and unlearned men. And it says that after they recognized that funny thing, they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. Wow. See? The the answer is coming through people, flesh and blood, that will simply submit to God and then they will be able to give, offer this refreshing that comes from the presence of the Lord. He said, the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up. Wow. So, so let's just, let's just dig in right here for a second. He says that this water that we say we are partaking of, because we are those that have entered into covenant with God. And so God is saying that those that are in covenant with me, those that are interested in me, I will give them, I'm going to give them, a water that shall spring up. So then I'm looking in the wrong direction when I'm trying to get my answers to come from around me. Circumstances. I want to get answers from my circumstances instead of getting the the water from the well that's going to do what? Come up. Spring up. And it's going to spring up into everlasting life. 
please, y'all, come on. It's going to spring up into. It will spring up and connect you to everlasting life. Your trouble, your challenges, they are seasonal. We just said that. They are temporary. They are but for a moment, he says. But I'm going to have answers. I'm going to have supply that springs up into eternal life. I can enjoy it today. I can enjoy it tomorrow. I can enjoy it tomorrow's tomorrow. I can enjoy it all the way into eternal life. But generally, that's not the way we trained our brain to think. We seem to think that when trouble is around, for some reason, God's not there. Because if he was there, I wouldn't have this trouble. No, he provided you the answer before the trouble even showed up. He will, with the temptation, make a way of escape. So the temptation, the trial, did not get there first. It has to be accompanied with the answer. There can be no temptation. That's what he said, y'all. No temptation taking you. It cannot happen. The answer was there before the temptation. All right. Maybe we'll come back here. Let's keep your finger in, John. Chapter 4, go on and go to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. I want you to see it. I need for you to, to see it, recognize it, understand it, uh, depend on it, okay? Because when you depend on it, then, then you'll be able to move things the way they're supposed to be moved out of your life, out of the way, okay? Things are supposed to be moved out of your life, out of the way. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. It says, wait a minute, we'll back up just a little bit so you can see some other things that he said here. He says, verse 11, now all of these things happen unto them for example. All of the things that that, that, that happened in the wilderness, okay? Because this is what he's talking about. But he said, all of these things happen unto them for examples. They are written for our admonition. So did you get any information from the, the, the suffering that the children of Israel went through in the wilderness? He said the reason that those things happened were for examples, and they were written for our admonition. So we will then have hope in a God that's able to deliver to that magnitude. See? Because he's able to deliver by many or by few. He knows no limits and no restraint. They were written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world have come. Verse 12, wherefore, because of this, let him that thinketh he stand, take heed lest he fall. Because there has no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. No temptation, he said, that is taken you but that which is common to man. God is going to deliver you supernaturally and you still fussing about that which is common to man. Wow. 
There is no temptation taking you, but first of all, that temptation has to be coming. You are not the only one going through what you think you're going through. It has to be common to man. That should encourage you right there. Because we figure God doesn't gave up on us because this that I'm facing is more than I can bear. He says there is no temptation taking you, but it's but it's common to man. In other words, you're not up at the higher level of, of, of temptation. Jesus went through the, the higher level of temptation. He said your temptation is going to have to be something on the level which is common to man. Don't sound like it should be too hard to be able to be worked out if it's common to man. As you look in the earth, you'll see grass and trees. Grass represents that which is common. Trees are extraordinary. They come out of, on top of, spread wider than is necessary for the patch of grass that you're standing on. That patch that you're standing on is common to man. But the tree that came out of where commonness was is in a predominant place now. Because when you look over the landscape, you don't see the grass first. You see whatever trees have been elevated above the grass first. From a distance, you don't see grass. You know it's grass when you get close to it or common to it. There is no temptation. Maybe you should circle the word no. There is no temptation that has taken you but such as is common to man. But God is faithful. Wow. So God is going to, according to this, God is going to show to you, reveal to you his faithfulness in your temptation. Okay? There's no temptation taking you, but such is common to man, but God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that which you are able. He did not say he's going to cause you to be tempted above that which I am able. He said which you are able. Your temptation has to be the only allowed temptation in your life is tailor-made. Wow, Lord, the only uh, temptation in your life is tailor-made to your victory. Did you get that? God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above that which you are able. So the temptation is tailor-made to your victory. If you can't have victory over it, it will not be there. It cannot. God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above that which you are able. I'm hoping you get this, y'all. See? You, the devil wanted to wipe you out, and God said, no, not with that. First of all, that has to be common to man, and it will not be more than that person that's going through the temptation, is able to bear. I don't know where we got to say, you know, God, uh, 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 I can't take this. It's too much for me. It's impossible for it to be too much for you. God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above that which you are able to stand. 
This is one of the scriptures you should highlight in your Bible. It should be colored with five stars around it. Because if it's in front of you, you are able to stand. God is faithful who will not suffer you to be, won't even allow it to happen. That's what he just said. He will not allow it to happen. He will not suffer you to be tempted above that which you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. See? He starts you out with victory. He, He does not, he has never intended for you to have to taste defeat because God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above that which you are able, but will, with the temptation, make a way also for you to escape. Didn't he say, if you would acknowledge him? See, this is active worship. If I would acknowledge him in all my ways, then he will do what? Cause you to know where to step next. He will direct your path. See? This is why he asks you to put the word in your heart. Pay attention to his word. Give ear unto him say, to his saying. Hide them in the midst of your heart. For out of those words that are hidden, that are protected, are the issues of life. Wow. We've got to just get this. We've got to understand this. So he wants you to have a, 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 a well of water that's going to spring up into everlasting life. What he's saying to you is that you have a bank account that will never have an NFS attached to it. There are no, uh, not enough funds in there, not enough insufficient funds. He says that this water, this, 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 this word that's alive on the inside of you, that stops you from trying to demand stuff, thirst, but you should have a well of water. Notice this here. Come on, y'all. Come on, come on, come on, come on. The temptations that we face, they are not a well of temptation. They is, they're, at best, they're a cup of temptation, a drink, if you would, of temptation. Amen. But God is going to give you, for the answer of this cup of temptation, he's going to give you a well of water that springs up into everlasting life. <laughs> See, Jesus is able to do He's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all you can ask or think. Jesus has come so that you might have life and have that life more abundantly. See, you serve the God of more than enough. See? If you feel like you are in a trial and you don't know if you can make it, he says there will be a well of water that he's just given you, and that well of water will spring up. It doesn't come from the outside, beloved. Come on now. Look at the look at the way it's versed here. He said it would spring up. Amen. 
So that means it should be inside of you so that it can spring up from your heart. Okay? And and we have been trained to, to, to practice the faucet being turned off. And then Jesus goes on here in John chapter 4. Don't look at me. I'm going to make the rest of it. In John chapter 4. And uh, the woman said, well, I tell you what then. Give me this water that I will not thirst or have to go through all of the toil of coming right here to draw. Give me this water that's going to spring up into life that's lasting forever. And Jesus then, after giving her an opportunity, is going to validate whether she wants it or not. Interesting what he did here. He said, okay, um, well, go get your husband and come here. Go get the one who has authority for your life in the earth. Because that's what the husband is supposed to do. It's supposed to be the covering for the woman. And so Jesus said, okay, you want this water? Let's make your whole family uh, participate in it. Go get your husband. And then uh, and, and then come here, and we'll we'll have this discussion. And the woman answered and said, I have no husband. See, Jesus gave her an opportunity to stand in truth and then from the position of truth connect with him. And Jesus said, Thou hast said, Well, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and he whom thou now hast is not your husband. In this thou hast said, Truly. See? See, he's giving us the opportunity to enter into the flow. So one thing, just looking at it, she wants a flow of water that's going to spring up into everlasting life. And so Jesus said, in order to have this flow of everlasting water, of, 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 of eternal water that's going to spring up, then you're going to have to remove the stuff that blocks it, that stops it. And what stops it? Your way of life that you think you had to, you couldn't do no better, you had to put up with. <clears throat> he said, you said well that you have no husband because you've had five husbands and the one that you got now is not yours. See? He said, God, he wasn't even, come on, look at it. <clears throat> he was not even mad about the condition of our life. Please know he talked to her before she confessed she wasn't worthy. He came to her to give what was necessary for her breakthrough, even without her knowing she was worthy. There's some hints there. There's the example of grace there, right there. He already told her, I know you don't have a husband, I know you had five, and you're living with somebody that's not your husband now. I don't even know if that was a, a, a another married man, but it was definitely a man that was not her husband. We knew that. But God is giving you the to win every time. We just have to to know that, believe that, operate in that. See, and then as we. Uh, do that, then, then we'll be able to enjoy uh, the promise of God, which is in the presence of God. See? This is what God is asking us to participate in. And then she said, well, I perceive that, that you're a prophet. 
for our fathers worship in this mountain, and you say that Jerusalem is the place that men ought to go to worship. And Jesus saith unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when you shall neither worship in this mountain nor yet in Jerusalem. Worship the Father. See, this is active worship. What she was practicing or she was caught up in is, is, uh, is historic worship, not active worship. Because Jesus says, the hour cometh and now is when true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father himself seeketh those to worship him. For God is a spirit. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. You worship, he said in verse 23, 20, you worship, verse 22, you worship and you don't know what. You don't know what you're worshiping. How could that be active worship? I know that you heard that, that, that we worship the, the, the way the, South, the Jews do. I know you heard about the way we worship because worship started with the Jews. They gave up the things. I mean, they had to give up a whole lot, y'all. We ain't even got come close to it. That's what the law was all about, was to show the sacrifice, the position of heart to sacrifice. They couldn't eat the wrong stuff. They couldn't hang out with the wrong people. They went through all of those those 700, 613 laws to put their heart in the position of knowing that sacrifice is going to be required. But they didn't grasp that after the sacrifice, you should go to the one of whom the sacrifice was made for. They had more confidence in the, 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 the execution of the sacrifice and didn't connect to who they were sacrificing. See? Because God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. The Father's looking for that. True worshipers. Not worshiping because of history. True worshipers. See? And then the woman said, I, I, we, I do, I heard that uh, the Messiah is coming, which is called Christ. And when he's come, he will tell us all things. And then Jesus said, I that speak to you, I'm he. And upon this, the disciples came back and they marveled that he talked with the woman who was a Samaritan, who he had no business dealing with at all. But yet, nobody said, um, what, what, what you looking for? Well, why are you talking to her? They just watched Jesus live and be life. And women left for a water party. She went to the city and said to all the men, come and see, and I'll show you a man that told me all the things that I did. Is this not Christ? And then they went out of the city and they came to him. See, she became uh, 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 really one of the first preachers because she went and told people. So then the question still becomes, you know, how are you dressed? Are you dressed so that people can can, can come to the, the place where you are and see uh, the experience, come to know the Christ that you say you, you're connected to? Hmm. See? That, that, that's what is supposed to be happening here. 
David walked this out. He knew about the, the connection that he's supposed to have with God. Okay? In Psalms 118, excuse me, Psalms 18, and we'll start there. I'm not going to finish. I have to come back. <laughs> I knew it. I knew I'm going to come back. See? David shows us some of this, this expression of worship that he lived in. He's inviting us into the same thing. He said, verse 1 of uh, chapter of, of Psalms 18, says, I will love thee, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress, my deliverer, my God, my strength, in whom I will trust, my buckler and the horn of my salvation and, and my high power. Okay, listen at this. He says, this is active worship. I will love thee, O Lord. Not I'm going to connotation. I'm doing it. The Lord is my rock. He didn't say the Lord used to be. I want him to be. He will be. He said the Lord is my rock. See, that's active. He's my rock. He is my fortress. He is my deliverer. He is whatever I need him to be. He is that. And I'm going to love you, oh, Lord, because you are my strength. Okay? You are the one that I trust in. You're my buckler. You're my horn. You're my salvation. You're my high tower. My defense is from you. And as I worship that way, then it calls me to be able to move accurately. I will call upon upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. And when I do that, so shall I be saved from my enemies. Notice in this, he did not ask God to deliver him. He said, I know God is my rock. I know God is my fortress. I know God is my deliverer. I know God is my strength. He's the one I trust in. He is my buckler. He is the horn of my salvation. He is my high power. Because I know this. I will call upon the name of the Lord. I will call upon the Lord is worthy <coughs> to be praised. See? And as I know this, as I activate worship correctly, then I know so shall I be saved <coughs> from my enemies. So then let's ask a question here. If I'm thinking that God is all of this, <coughs> excuse me, and I don't know it, Am I going to be delivered from my enemy? He says, verse 3, I will call upon the one I know, the one who is worthy to be praised. And because I call on him, the one I know, then so shall I be saved from my enemies. See, that's active praise. That I'm not, I'm, he's not looking at the enemies. Come on, come on, come on. He's not looking at the enemies. And thinking that this is going to be the end of me. Because God is my rock. My fortress. My deliverer. My strength. In whom I trust. Not whom I will trust. In whom I trust. My buckler. The horn of my salvation. My high power. See, there's a different position of heart 
that causes this victory. Look at this. He says, the, the, the solids of death are around me. They compass me. And the floods of the ungodly men made me afraid. The solids of hell are around me. The snares of death are stopping me. But in my distress, I call upon the name of the Lord. I cried unto my God. He heard my voice out of his temple. All right? Pause right there. I want you to go to um, Psalms 27. I'll stop it here. I'll stop it here. I see that. Proverbs. Did I say Proverbs? Proverbs 27. Excuse me. No. I'm right. Psalms 27. I'm right. I want you to just go back and see this. So we can see how, how David lived this. Okay? David lived this. See? It was not something that, that, that when he got into a bad situation, then he would start saying, oh, God, what was me? No, this is the way David lived. Okay, but let's just go there and see how, how how this thing works for him. Okay, again, you just heard David say, "The Lord is, not the Lord will be." Okay, so let's go to Psalms twenty-seven and see what David uh, uh, said to help us to encourage us to cause us to be active in our worship. It says, "The Lord is my light." And my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Wait a minute. I got all this stuff around me. You know, people trying to take my life. People trying to take my uh, my, my, my apartment, my house. Trying to take my car. I, I, I've got to recognize my deliverance is in a place that's already been settled for me. So the, the circumstances means that there are things circled around me standing against me. But the well of life, the well of, of water that he said was going to come up. If it comes up, it will then come on. I, I have the ability to flood the, the circumstances away from my life. I have a well that's eternal. That means I can overcome by flooding the situations with victory. Flooding the situations that I'm facing with the worship of my God. The Bible says, when I praise, he causes my enemies to stop. He steals the avenger. The Lord is my light, and he is my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? See, he's answering all of the things that the devil is bringing to him. And he said, yeah, well, I know this is in front of me, but the Lord is my life, and he is my salvation. The Lord is the strength of my life. Whom shall I be afraid? Listen at this. When the wicked, even my enemies and my foes, I mean, God is he's showing the greatness that, 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 that you have tapped into. He said, even when my enemies and my foes, not my enemies or my foes, my enemies and my foes, they came upon me to eat of my flesh. He said, they stumbled and fell. Why? Because the Lord is my life and my salvation. The Lord is the strength of my life. Whom shall I be afraid? Though an host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. 
though war should rise up against me, in this will I be confident. What is it you're going to be confident in? One thing I've desired of the Lord, and that's what I'm going to seek after. I'm not going to be moved by circumstances. I'm not going to be moved by threats, deadlines, and things like that. I'm not going to be moved by the things the devil is coming against me with. He said, because I've already settled this between heaven and me. One thing have I desired of the Lord, and that's what I'm going to seek after. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. He didn't say that I should visit the house of the Lord when things go bad. He said, I have already desired this. We settled this. I'm going to seek after him. I'm going to dwell in the house of the Lord all of my days. Why? To behold the beauty of the Lord. Wow. David said, what I'm looking for is the beauty of the Lord. I'm not looking for my circumstances to change. I'm looking for the beauty of the Lord. There is a difference than, than, than me trying to, if you would, pimp God to make him do what I need him to do and then say, no, all I want to do, Lord, is see your glory. I, I want to see your face, sir. I, I want to see the promise that you've made. And then as I see the promise that you made, I'll see the answer that you provided. Please connect that. If I see the promise that you've made, then I will see the, the, the victory that you provided. But if I don't see the promise, I will miss the victory because I'll, I'll be yet looking for deliverance that comes some other way. See, when I see the promise, my victory comes from the promise. He said, I want to behold the beauty. I want to look at it. I, I'm not going to take my eyes off of it. I want to behold the beauty of the Lord. See? I, in fact, if you look at this the way it's written, he's not going to open his mouth until he sees the beauty of the Lord. Let's look at it, okay? I, I, I will to behold. This is what I desire, and I'm going to in the house of the Lord, all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord, and then, he says, I can inquire. Where are you going to inquire, David? In his temple. I'm going to inquire in the place of his rest. I'm going to inquire in the place where his glory is. See? I'm not going to, I'm not going to complain from my frustration, complain from my situation. I'm going to first See the beauty. Behold, look at the beauty of the Lord, and then I can talk. For in the time of trouble, verse 5, he shall hide me in his pavilion. Wait a minute. When I'm in trouble, active worship causes me to know where I've been placed. He's going to, in the time of trouble, he's going to hide me in his pavilion. This says about Jesus, when the uh, people were trying to kill him, the Bible says that Jesus hid himself in the midst of them, going through the midst of it. He hid himself going through the midst. Wait a minute. If he's going through the midst of them, then they can see him, can't they? But he was protected by this pavilion that God was talking about. 
See, you practice this. This is active worship. In the time of trouble, it didn't say he might hide me. See, David spoke from a position of affirmation. He shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. And because I seek that, then he's going to do what? He's going to set me upon a rock. Glory to God. And and, and you need to pay attention. He said, in, in the time of trouble, he's going to elevate me. He's going to set me upon a rock, the rock of salvation. See? Notice how connected David was to this process. He said, I've only desired one thing, and that's what I'm going to seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. I'm going to look at, see, find the glory. I'm going to behold the beauty of the Lord, and then I'll be able to talk to him, to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me, and he will elevate me, set me upon a rock. Well, why is all of that necessary? Because verse 6 says, and when this happens, now shall my head be lifted up. Please, he didn't say, in this case, he didn't say, now I'm going to lift up my head. He said, and because I have decided that I'm going to worship him actively, now my head shall be lifted up. Psalms 24 said, lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be ye lifted up, ye everlasting arms. When you do that, the king of glory shall come in. See, look at look, look into his wonderful face. See, keep your eyes upon Jesus. See, look straight into his wonderful face. And then the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the glory of his wonders. In the time of trouble, he will hide me in his provision. In the secret of his, okay, in the secret of his tabernacle. So it sounds like to me, there's going to be conversation. He's going to hide me in the secret. Not just in a, a, a place that is protected, but in the secret place where he speaks to my heart. Where he gives me encouragement. Where he settles me. In the secret of his tabernacle, he shall hide me and set me upon a rock. And now shall my head be lifted up above my enemies round about me. Because I'm not looking round about me now. My head is lifted up above my enemies. I'm not trying to make God get me out of this trouble. My, my head now is lifted up above my enemies that were round about me. Therefore, I'm going to offer in this tabernacle sacrifices of joy. Wait a minute. He did not tell me to, to bring my belly aching and complaining into this tabernacle, did he? When your head is lifted up and you're focused on Jesus, come on, see, then I don't see all of the, 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 the lies that the enemy is saying through my circumstances. Glory to God. See, my eyes are on him. And he's going to speak secrets to me. Glory, come on. He's going to tell me things like, okay, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. 
that I'm with you always until the end of the ages. Okay? And then as he causes my heart to be enlarged there, as I magnify the Lord, then I'm not worried about my enemies because my great God has just shown up. See? So then why should I continue to talk about all the frustrations that, that, that were around me? I, I, my, my eyes have stayed on him. See? This is active worship. I can appreciate you trying to make things happen because of what you say, but when you participate in active worship, he says, now my head will be lifted up above my enemies round about me. I'll be able to then do something that's going to mess the devil up. I will do what? (laughs) I will offer in his tabernacle the sacrifices of joy. Glory to God. See? I'm not one belly aching no more. I, I, what's coming out of my mouth, he said, if I open it wide, he'll fill it with praise. So now I can offer the sacrifices of joy. Yea, I will sing. Yea, I will sing praises to the Lord. See? I, I no longer have to, 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 to belly ache and, and, and show God all the trouble I'm in. My head has been lifted up. I'm looking at a different perspective now. And he says, my perspective is that, come on, y'all, my perspective is right in the midst of my enemies. Is that not what 23rd Psalm says? That he would prepare a table before me in the very presence of my enemies. See, he he wants me to to be able to, to enjoy the glory that he made mine, that he made available. That's what active worship does. It puts you in the right place. But the choice is yours. Your way or God's way? God's waiting on you today. Father, we just bless you and we praise you that you've given us the entrance into your presence through worship. And that worship must be active. And I cannot have active worship if I have active worry, if I have active fear. So thank you, Father, that my worship that's given to you causes me to then be seated upon a rock. And when I'm seated in that place of worship, now my head will be lifted up above my enemies round about me. I will see what's next to be done. I will inquire while I'm in the presence of the beauty of the Lord. This is the one thing that we desire, and that's what we're going to seek after. We give you praise, sir. We give you glory and honor. Committing it to you is done. In the matchless name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, who is Lord and Savior, and the redeemed of the Lord said together, Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Glory to God. Well, as we always do, I ask if there are any questions about the, the ministry today, then you will give you a chance to, to open them, uh, ask those questions. So area code 404, 
new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.